Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. This episode of the Black Gold Podcast is brought to you in part by the Black Gold Podcast store, where you can get exclusive Black Gold Podcast merchandise. Here you can purchase the new My Story Matters design on a comfortable t-shirt or in a snug and warm hoodie. Also, you can purchase my new ebook on podcasting called The Podcast Jumpstart Guide to help you get from zero to your first episode teaching you the tools and resources that I've used to build a quality podcast on a low budget. To get your hands on this awesome merch at a discount, go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go to the menu and click on the Black Gold Podcast Store discount button to save 10% off your next order. In this episode, I interview Donald Owens. He is an engineer, CEO, and author of the book, Burn Fuel Better, that is about the main cause of climate change, a substance that isn't widely known to the general public, called black carbon. In our conversation, Don and I discuss his first encounter with black carbon, how we heavily depend on the current methods of energy production that is polluting the earth, and the solution to eliminate the climate crisis worldwide. Today with me in the Black Gold Podcast, I have Don Owens. He is an engineer, an author, and he is also a patent holder of the Leaf H2. And it is an instrument that filters out one of the most deadliest substances he claims in his book, Burn Fuel Better, that pervades our planet to this day that we ourselves have caused. And it is called Black Carbon. So, Don, welcome to the show. And first of all, can you please tell the listeners who you are, your background in engineering, and what you have learned over the years about this thing that is called black carbon that you have found to be really devastating to our environment? Very good. Very good. Thanks for having me today. Uh, my name is Don Mullins, and I am the CEO of HNO Green Fuels. HNO Green Fuels is uh, the company that we, we kind of made this discovery, even though it's not like we discovered black carbon. We just happened to find a solution for it. But I have an engineering and a patent background, and I've been involved in uh, and on this journey for almost 10 years. It didn't start off as something to resolve climate change or, or I didn't even know what black carbon was when we started. So it was uh, it was kind of an accidental discovery, but but. 
just for your listeners to know, and it's one thing I want everybody to know before you leave here, is that black carbon is the enemy of the planet. Now, I want to say it that way because I want that to be, to ring true in everybody's brain, that it is the enemy of the planet. And what it is, is unburned fuel. What black carbon is, and I'll tell you how I discovered it as we go along, but it is the fuel that is burned, that's unburned, that comes out of the exhaust in everything that we do. We basically, we have a fossil fuel energy infrastructure. That infrastructure burns fuel, and that fuel creates black carbon. In fact, that infrastructure is necessary to even to build a green infrastructure. But everything that we do is burns fuel, and that's from everything from construction to medicine to, to transportation to, to Internet to everything that we do. It's, it's, it's all involved in, the, in the burning fuel. And what our technology has done is we found a way to burn fuel better, which in essence lowers and reduces the amount of black carbon. Now, again, let me just say one other thing about black carbon, just so we'll be on the same page. Black carbon is a, the substance that coats the glaciers. It coats our ice shelves and our glaciers, and it causes them to melt. And that the melting glaciers is really the direct cause of climate change. It's not a one of the causes, it is the cause. So unless a, a solution is developed to address black carbon, we are not doing anything about climate change at all. We, we can talk about it. We can talk about it in developing electrical vehicles and everything else. But unless we're addressing black carbon, we are just in, in chapter three in my book, I say we are pissing in the wind, but, but that's what the book is all about. And so in the book, you explain how you first discovered black carbon, and it turned out to be a byproduct of another experiment you were tinkering on. Uh, could you share with us that story? Okay, yeah, we'll do that. In fact, uh, the whole original idea of when I started down this path was to use hydrogen to increase fuel economy. I read a book a, a number of years ago about how you can use hydrogen and fuse it into your, your combustion chamber and it will improve your gas mileage. And so I basically started developing a product to do just that. And in the process of developing that product for reducing fuel economy, I was in the lab, finally got it to the, to the lab where I could start getting some real data. And during that, during that period, we discovered that there were very, a lot of inconsistencies with gasoline engines. It worked. We had it to a point where we could get it to work but it was just so inconsistent with so many different engine types and so many different sizes of engine. We just didn't know it was the variables were too great for us to figure out what was the best way to do it with a gasoline engine. So one day the technician that was at the shop asked me if I wanted to test out diesel engines. I said, well, okay, I had nothing to lose. So I tried it with diesels and the same thing. I basically, I was still looking for fuel economy. I was, you know, I didn't know that something called particulate matter even existed. But what happened when we started testing the diesel engines, the fuel economy was pretty lousy, to be honest. But what happened was the technician came up to me afterwards and said, oh, by the way, you know, this thing reduced your particulate matter emissions by almost 50%. Now, my question was, what's particulate matter? Because I didn't know what particulate matter was. And, and he didn't really know either. He just said it, it's something we measure here. 
And it turns out the particulate matter is a very, very, very dangerous substance to all human life, all life on Earth, because it, 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 it gets into our, it's, it's air pollution in effect, and it gets into our lungs and causes all kinds of respiratory problems and all kinds of other problems, all related to health. So at that time, I still didn't know what black carbon was, but we knew what particulate matter was. And we knew at that point in time, we would start focusing our energies on reducing particulate matter. And it wasn't until years later, I would say probably three or four, five years later, because every, I was always reading everything I could read about particulate matter, because I didn't know whether or not that would be enough for people to latch hold to. You know, people wanted to save money. I didn't know if they wanted to improve people's health. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know whether or not that was a hook and was enough of a hook. But so I would always read everything I could read about particulate matter. But it was very, very dangerous to this, to to our society. But it's not much we can do about it because we just we need all the engines that we have to do all of the things that we do. But one day, one article I was reading had to do and way down. Buried in the article, it was something called black carbon. And I found out that black carbon was a major component in particulate matter. And it also turns out that black carbon was 1,500 times worse than CO2. Because everybody hears about CO2 and CO2 being, you know, the bugaboo of the planet and cause of, of climate change. But black carbon, and, and fortunately, I didn't make this up. This is what scientists all throughout the world know that black carbon is 1,500 times worse than CO2. And then it dawned on me, I had because I had to put together a, a speech for a, a presentation, and I, and I had three minutes to talk about it. So I had to go through everything that I had done over the last 10 years, and black carbon was circling in my mind and my brain, and it dawned on me that we had a solution for climate change. Because when we reduce particular matter by 50%, we also reduce a black carbon by 50%. And black carbon truly is the enemy of the planet. It is a thing that coats our ice shelves, glaciers, both in the South and North Poles, and is causing our, our ice sheets to melt at an alarming rate. And anybody that, that, that understands climate change knows that it's, it's the, because of, it's the direct cause of our ice sheets and glaciers melting so rapidly. So we accidentally found that we had a solution that can help to reverse climate change because we, if we figure out a way, how do we figure out a way to burn fuel better, we can reduce the amount of black carbon that's coming out that's cold in the glaciers. Yeah, and it's very incredible in terms of the, the studies that have been done considering particular matter. You quote from the World Health Organization that more than 8 million people died in 2018 due to its fossil fuel pollution right. from particulate matter. Right. And that that is a little less. It, it accounted for 18% of total global deaths in yeah. 2018, a little less than one out of five. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that is, that's what, the, that's very, very, very concerning. Mm -hmm. that's not known widely enough in order for people to be informed about how to do next steps to make sure that they are taking better care of themselves. Right. Right. 
better care of their loved ones. And also it says you put another study that said a small increase in long-term exposure to particulate matter 2.5 leads to a large increase in the COVID-19 death rate. Right. And so that also leads to different communities being around different places like uh, factories and refineries, and they are then exposed in the immediate environment to the black carbon that is being emitted from the, the smoke and from all of the machines that are working there. And so has there been in your studies, do you know different places where people have had issues in terms of respiratory issues, cognitive issues, anything like that within certain communities that you could go into a little bit further? Well, personally, I don't know all of the health ramifications. All I know is that the health ramifications are extreme. And, uh, and people that are in the health industries and, and, and they know about all of these different factors and how it affects different communities. Because obviously, you know, when you live near uh, expressways and you live near factories, when you live near all these different places where, where typically it's not exactly the highest income levels where people live, it's normally where you have a higher level of, of black carbon, of particulate matter, of all these different things that harm us. Now, the unfortunate thing about uh, all of these things is that, you know, we live in an in fact, I like to call it a, an ocean of energy created by fossil fuels. It's the fossil fuel energy infrastructure. Now, we, we live here. I mean, we can't do anything about it. You know, everything that we do is dependent on it. We're like, we're almost like fish in an ocean. In fact, the ocean is like, the, uh, I mean, the, the energy of the, the ocean of energy enables us to live. I mean, to enables us to communicate. It enables us to travel. It enables us to develop medical miracles. It enables us to do everything. But it is the same at the same time creating the black carbon that's killing the planet. Now, we don't have much choice. We have to have what we have to have. I mean, you know, I, I don't even know how we could get along without internet nowadays. Because, but the inter internet is also part of creating black carbon because we all need the energy. We need the electricity that, that the infrastructure creates. So the only thing that we can do is to try to burn fuel better. Now, this is such a monumental task. I mean, cause you know, the other day I was driving along near the ports in, in Long Beach and you look over the ports and you see all of these containers, all of these ships, all of these different things that are, that are necessary for us to live, you know, in terms of shipping, in terms of all the, all the, but it's all fossil fuel based, every last bit of it. Even if we were building and, and shipping windmills for, for wind power, it's still fossil fuel based. So the fossil fuel base is not going anywhere. The infrastructure cannot go anywhere. And it affects all of us in lower income communities and, higher income communities in all communities because the, the bottom line for if we can't resist or we can't slow down climate change, it's not going to be very many places for anybody, any of us to run. You know, Florida will be underwater in 30 or 40 years. And, you know, so, so every, all those communities, rich, poor, and everything else 
will be in, in harm's way, if you will. So, but, but the infrastructure is the, the problem, but we can't do anything about infrastructure because we need it, but we can burn fuel better. And that's the only thing we can do right now is to try to eliminate or reduce black carbon. Because if we can do that, we can find ourselves uh, in a situation where uh, the glaciers are not melting as fast. Maybe we can reverse some of the things that, that are happening right now. But also one of the things that our technology does do, it produces oxygen. In the process of producing hydrogen for better fuel com combustion, it also produces oxygen for the atmosphere. So all these millions of engines and systems can all be produced in action, which our planet sorely needs and can use. So you're saying that the, it's the, called the Leaf H2 is what you guys design. It is a component that can be put into uh, an engine and it will then filter out all of the particulate matter and also the black carbon, not entirely, but you said 50% decreased in particulate matter and 50 uh, percent decreased in black carbon. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, but and what it does, it doesn't so much filter because uh, they have there they do what they call uh, diesel particulate filters that are usually used for vehicles, smaller vehicles, to filter out some of these particulates. But what our system does is what we do is we split up hydrogen and oxygen from water. And the water that we split, that we use, creates hydrogen gas. And the hydrogen gas goes into the combustion chamber with the air that's used for combustion in the engine. And so what happens is before the particular matter is even created, we burn the fuel batter so that it is not created at all. See, what, what particulate matter is, by definition, is unburned fuel. It's fuel that is not burned completely during the combustion cycle. So you have everything out here that doesn't burn complete fuel completely. But what hydrogen does, hydrogen burns at such a higher rate that it causes the fuel that's burned normally to burn a little bit faster. And because it burns a little bit faster in the combustion chamber, it creates less unburned fuel. So we can reduce at this point by 50% the amount of unburned fuel that comes out or the amount of black carbon that comes out. But our goal, obviously, is when you have a technology like this, it only improves over time. And once people get involved and, and start understanding what we can do, we can get it down maybe to 100%, maybe 90 100% in terms of reducing the black carbon. But we have to reduce the black carbon because the black carbon is what's causing all of our climate problems and all of our climate issues. And it will continue even as long, you know, people talking about electric vehicles and development of wind and solar, the development of wind, solar, electric, all of it's based on the, the, the fossil fuel energy infrastructure. So you can't even, we can't even think about building those things without using the infrastructure. So, you know, so the, so as you, as we build more and more green technologies, we're still doing the same thing, which is creating black carbon which is kind of, uh, you know, kind of ironic that we, can, that we can't even uh, create a green infrastructure without creating black carbon. So black carbon has got to be the target for the entire human race because if we don't get rid of it, we're going to continue 
to uh, have a rapid, rapid move toward climate change because our glaciers will always be melting. So would you say that what we have to do is maybe allocate the way that we use our resources so that we can create different methods of powering different things, powering stuff using electric, as you said, windmills and also electric cars and solar. Should we focus our energies on that or should we focus it on doing something else that's even smaller that won't leave as much as a huge footprint of black carbon? Well, the only thing we can do is burn fuel better. And, and, and really that's the, that's the name of the book. The only option that we have right now is to burn fuel better now, because we're still going to do the things we're going to do. We're still going to build electric cars. We're still going to build windmills. We're still going to be doing all those different things. We're still going to be using the internet. We're still going to be, you know, doing everything that we do, but that infrastructure, the fossil fuel energy infrastructure is causing the problems. Now, we can't get rid of the infrastructure. We need the infrastructure. We live in the infrastructure. We're, we're like fish in the ocean. Without the, infra, without the infrastructure, we will be like fish out of water. I mean, we literally have to have it. So it's not an option of whether or not we can stop burning fuel. What we have to do is we have to burn the fuel better. And that's, that's the whole, whole basis of the technology. But the emphasis needs to be directed toward burning the fuel better as opposed to trying to build all these electric cars or electric systems that require the fossil fuel infrastructure. So, you know, it's still great that we're going to be able to, to do that because we ultimately want to move to a hydrogen economy. We want to move to an electric economy where everything is built on based on solar and, 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 and fuel cells. But even to get there, we have to get there with the fossil fuel infrastructure, the energy infrastructure that we use now. You know, right now you can drive along. I, I, I'm in Cal Southern California and everywhere you look, and I'm sure it's everywhere where you are too, is construction. I mean, construction is going on everywhere. They're building new factories, building new roads, building new hospitals, building new everything. But it's that infrastructure that's creating all of our black carbon. Now, we need the infrastructure, but in all of those cases, we need to burn the fuel better in order to reduce the black carbon because that black carbon is going to be produced no matter what. You know, you know, if you build a, a million electric vehicles, you're going <laughs> to need the infrastructure to ship them around. And to build a, and to build a factories, and all those all those things have to be looked at, and the entire infrastructure needs to be evaluated, and 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 to come up with technology like ours, doesn't have to be ours, but it needs to be technology like ours to help to reduce the black carbon that's produced. So the fuel has to be burned better. Now there are things and there are ways that people can move to better fuels. You know. A lot of times people are trying to move away from diesel and a few other things like that, which is still very, very possible, but it's, it's still very impractical as an immediate solution. Diesel is here to stay. And, you know, people think that biodiesel, they're going to make biodiesel. I think in, in California, they have maybe five, 10 biodiesel fuel stations. You know, it's, 
it's it's almost like not having any at all because nobody can practically use. So that's the issues that we have. We have to find a solution to burn our fuel better, and we need to do it now. We're still going to be doing all the other things moving toward a green economy, but we have to burn our fuel better now, today. And that's what that's the beauty of what hydrogen brings. It brings a solution today, not a, not a solution for only tomorrow, but a solution for today too. And so in burning fuel better, will there be a point where we can be able to, using your hydrogen solution, move to a completely 100% green economy? Yes, I can see that, but, but it's a transition period. It's a huge transition period. Because just like if you think about electric cars, they're nice. They do reduce uh, a lot of the on-the-road emissions. But the problem with electric cars is that you got to charge them. You got to charge the batteries. And when you're charging the batteries, guess what? You're using the fossil fuel infrastructure again. So, so that's not really much of a solution unless the batteries were being charged by solar. You know, if the batteries are being charged by solar, it is completely clean. But if the battery is going to be charged by fossil fuel infrastructure, you, you almost haven't done much except at the site, you know, at the road, you don't have the pollution coming out of that particular car. But that particular car is, is, is one among millions. So, you know, you know, if you have 2% of those cars being electric, you're still not doing much because people can't convert. They can't convert all of their vehicles. And if you, and if, when, and when you drive, particularly when you're driving on the highway, you see a lot more than cars. You see these trucks, you see these, you, you see vehicles that are used to transport gasoline that are, that are used to transport propane. None of those things will be electric. They're going to be diesel. And uh, so we can't convert 100% overnight. So it's going to take some time. And so the time that we, that we, that we can allot, we can, in the meanwhile, burn our fuel better because in essence, we do want to move to a hydrogen economy. We want to move to a place where we could use hydrogen fuel cells. We want to use a place where we can use a windmill, wind power. We want to move to a place where we can use solar, but building of all of those things require a fossil fuel infrastructure. We can't build it. We can't go into the jungle and decide we're going to build some solar panels with some hammers and, 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 and chisels. We can't do it that way. We have to do it with the infrastructure that we have. But the infrastructure that we have, and this is what everybody misses, the infrastructure that we, and it's not, and I, and I don't believe it's missing because it's purposeful. It's just that we just don't know. We don't know and don't understand that it's the infrastructure that's creating all the black carbon. We don't even understand that there is such a thing called black carbon. You know, it wasn't until I accidentally discovered that and made the connection between the between a particular matter of black carbon that it even dawned on me that we had a solution. So most people don't know that there is a solution at all. They do know that black carbon is very harmful. They do know that particular matter is very harmful but they don't know what to do about it because the infrastructure still exists and the infrastructure is not going anywhere. You know, we need it for everything. I mean, literally for everything, but what we have to do with that infrastructure is that we have to burn the fuel better that's being burned 
because of the infrastructure, you know, and this, the infrastructure, like I said, it's not going away anytime soon. But what we can do is, is we try to move toward a green economy is to burn our fuel better so that eventually all of our fuel, or at least all of our energy and all of our electricity is made from renewable sources. But that's not going to be for a while. And, and if we continue at the trajectory we are now, Florida be underwater in 30 years because we haven't figured out a way that we need to burn out fuel better. They're already having problems in Miami Beach now and with, with, with water coming into the cities and everything else. So it's an issue, but it's an, it's, it's an issue. It's a problem that we have not really identified. And that's what I'm hoping and praying that our book will help to let everybody understand that we have a problem and the black carbon is truly the enemy of the planet. We have to do something about it because otherwise the planet is not going to accept all of this black carbon without having some consequences. As you previously mentioned about going electric, it's that it will take so much energy to create so many cars, so many people that it will then just emit more black carbon into the atmosphere. And so you also mentioned in your book that a majority of people don't go electric, not because they're not environmentally conscious, it's that they can't afford it. And so you say, you know, you go usually, what you would do is you would look on Craigslist for an ad for a car, and then you'd see like, oh, when neighbor got one down the road, so you go to him, you buy his old used car, and it's maybe a free 2000 little beater that you use, and you go from home to work, dropping his off at school. And so you use that car. So it's the idea that, is it that the cost of the electric vehicles are extremely high, that people won't be able to afford them, or that companies put that that marker, that price point on the vehicles themselves? I'm not, I'm not sure. In fact, my inclination is to say that even though they're you know, we do have the profit motive, right? <laughs> the profit motive is in everything that we do. So there is going to be some level of, of, of recognition that people need to make money, however they feel they need to make it. So I don't know, necessarily know that the electric cars are, I do know that they cost more, but, but it's not only the cost though. Some of them, some of it is a little bit impractical also. You know, if you live in an apartment and you don't have charging stations, it's not, what are you going to do? What are you going to, in fact, I, I met a woman once that was driving 30 miles just to get her, her, her car charged. And so, you know, and, and when you're going out of your way to just to do that and you still got to go to work or wherever, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up. Even if the price was right, it still wouldn't add up. Because you, you, you can get gas anywhere. You can get gas on the way to work. <laughs> you don't have to go out of your way to work, you know, just to get a charge. So, so when you have uh, apartments and people living in apartments or living in, in uh, places that they don't necessarily have charging stations, it's not practical to drive an electric car. Even if it was affordable, it may not be practical. And, but, but the affordable issue is an issue. I mean, I'm sure Teslas are not cheap. I haven't, I haven't uh, looked at buying one, 
but but even but most people that have them probably have them as second cars because if they really need to go somewhere up north where they're not charging stations on the way, they get in their gas car, you know, <laughs> you know, because they're going to have to get gas somewhere and they, and they don't, they can't necessarily depend on the charging station to be on the way. If you're going from a, one state to another state, I will promise you, you won't do it in an electric car unless you know where the charging stations are. And if you got to go you know, two hours out of your way just to get a charge, not going to work. It's not going to, it's not practical. Yeah, so currently it seems as if electric car is still more of a commodity, a luxury, instead of it being an actual necessity in order for us to better our environment and better our just overall livelihoods in terms of air we breathe. And so does it uh, transform uh, diesel-powered engines into clean machines in terms of burning hydrogen and then releasing the oxygen? Well... What happens is it makes it cleaner. It doesn't clean it because it makes it, it just makes it cleaner. What happens with diesel engines are generally very efficient engines. They're very, very efficient. They burn their fuel at a relatively efficient level. They're actually more efficient than most gasoline engines in terms of mileage and everything else, but they're dirty. And the dirtiness is the particular matter, the 2.5, the PM that comes out and that PM is what's measured. Now, gasoline engines create PM also, but most people don't know about it. And most people haven't, you know, it hasn't been as, as widely circulated as a problem as the diesel engines do. So diesel engines are known for its PM is known for its harmful effects with, with, with the respiratory problems, with everything else, but the uh, gasoline aren't as well known, but they do create the same problem. But now, Going back to what the diesel engine does, and because it does create that PM, that is what's the dirtiness part of of a diesel engine, which we make cleaner because we reduce the amount that comes out. Now, you know, obviously, if you had an electric vehicle versus a diesel, the electric would win because of the emissions. The emissions are of zero, you know, at the tailpipe, the emissions of zero. But the emissions come into play when you when you ha- when you have to gear up the power station, the power the power station to, to create the electrical charges for the batteries. So what you have gained on the road, you've lost uh, in in society because you're still creating the same amount of, of black carbon because the the fuel is being burned somewhere else instead of in your car locally in your car, but it's still being burned because you have to charge those batteries. But what our hydrogen does is that it does make the fuel cleaner, burn cleaner. So it doesn't eliminate it from burning, but it helps it to burn cleaner. And it turns out that it's the black carbon, which is the unburned fuel, which is the the bad news. That is what's causing, uh, I mean, you literally... You know, if you ever did a, a Google search on black carbon and glaciers, you can literally see them coating the glaciers. And, and, and what happens is when they coat the glaciers, glaciers normally are white as snow. They typically reflect light and they reflect light and heat. But because of the black carbon on them, it's now absorbing light and heat, which is causing them to melt. So, and that is the problem. That is what we, that is the issue for climate change. 
That is what's going to cause our glaciers to continue to melt and what's going to cause our sea rise, sea levels to rise. So you're going to have all these low-lying areas that are going to be now covered with because of our inability to stop our glaciers from melting. So, uh, you know, I hate, uh, I hope I'm not beating a dead horse, but, but people really need to understand that until we do something about black carbon, our glaciers are going to continue to melt. And our, our problems with climate change will continue and accelerate as we, can, as we even build a green infrastructure. You know, the ironic part is that we need the fossil fuel energy infrastructure to build the green infrastructure. And, 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 and as long as we are using that to build it, we're going to always constantly be behind the eight ball until we learn that we need to burn fuel better. We have to. And you also mentioned that how long electric cars take, usually anywhere between half an hour to several hours, that with the hydrogen fuel cells, your car would be recharged in less than 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the con- yeah. so the convenience is still there for people who are worried about it's going to take a long time, it's not going to work, it's going to be something that's really technical. But, you know, five minutes, like, what's that? Yeah. Now, the only thing about hydrogen fuel, the hydrogen fuel cells are wonderful. They are wonderful. Now, that's not what we have. But uh, they're wonderful in the sense that truly, like, it's, it's a shorter time to charge. But the problem is finding fueling stations. And that's what the problem is for the hydrogen fuel cells is because they have the same issue from a, from a what's the word I'm looking for? From a logistical point of view, you can't find them. You can't find fueling stations. So hydrogen fuel cells is the way. Now, the beauty of hydrogen and the direction that our technology is going, our technology could could very well lead to a situation where we can create hydrogen on demand. So you won't have to have hydrogen fuel cells that you're looking for. I mean, I'm sorry. You won't have to have hydrogen refueling stations that you're looking for, uh, because that's the problem with hydrogen fuel cell cars. You know, you have a, 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 a very small percentage of hydrogen fuel cell cars, but you can't find any hydrogen refueling stations. And the ones that are available sometimes don't even work. So you have people that have these wonderful cars, uh, the hydrogen cars, they create nothing but water as they exhaust. They are beautiful. They are wonderful. But you can't find any hydrogen. You can't find a hydrogen supply so that you will be confident enough to be able to take off from, say, San Diego and go to Sacramento and wonder whether or not you can make it because you can't find any stations on the way. So that's the, also the problem with, with, with hydrogen fuel stale cars is that they have a, a, a logistical problem with, with supply, you know. But they're beautiful. They're wonderful. But our technology is possibly can kind of bridge the gap even to make those hydrogen fuel cell cars even more practical because we may be able to produce enough hydrogen on demand to enable them to not have to find stations. They can potentially have produce enough hydrogen on their own to, to run the fuel cells. But that's also future. That's another future element of hydrogen that we're not there yet right now. Our present problem with hydrogen is to make our, I shouldn't say our present problem, 
but our present solution for hydrogen is to make our fuel burn better because we have to burn the fuel better, which is going to eliminate the black carbon. So in making your device, what is the source that will extract the hydrogen, making it efficient both in the way that it is used and also in the way that it can be continually drawn from to use? Is it water-based? Yes. Well, what happens is we use something called PEM electrolysis, and PEM electrolysis uses a membrane. Uh, and it uses water to filter through that membrane to create the hydrogen and oxygen from the water. So, you know, water is H2O, of course, and our system takes that water and splits it but by using some electricity. It splits the water into hydrogen gas and oxygen gas. And so the beauty of that system is that it's, Fairly, fairly, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, lifelong. I mean, it, it can create hydrogen and oxygen for a very, very long time. So it's, 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 it's no moving parts. It can create, as long as you have a decent water supply, you don't put Perrier or Sprite in there, you're going to be able to create hydrogen and not mess up your membrane. Okay. So, and, and, and the beauty of it is, like I said, there's no moving parts. It just takes the water. It likes the water. It, it will split it into hydrogen and oxygen. The hydrogen is used to improve your combustion, which it always does, no matter what. And the oxygen goes to the atmosphere. And our, in our particular atmosphere, we like hydrogen. We like oxygen. You know, it's, it's good for our bodies. It's good for our system. It's good for our atmosphere. And so all of a sudden, you can start having millions and millions of, of engines out there that are not only burning their fuel better, but they also produce an oxygen for the atmosphere, which is, which is a very, very positive thing. Yeah. And also in terms of you, when you wrote about it being used on diesel engines, one of the first things that came to my mind was farm equipment. And that a majority of farm and also construction equipment is diesel based. And so if you use that system on that equipment, what will happen then? is if you're tilling a field, you will then be also leaving a trail of oxygen behind you. Right. It's greening up the planet, literally greening the planet as you go. Right. And so that is, that's just an incredible concept. Right. And so in terms of being able to use your method, your system, mm. your device, how much does it take before it burns out? Is it on a, uh, is it a certain amount, like yeah, a amount of gallons or is it how many miles can you go on like a full tank of, of gas, let's say? Okay. That's a very good question. And I'm, I'm going to answer it two ways. First, our target market right now is some of the larger systems that don't have any abatement for a particular amount. If you, when I first tested this on a car, on my car, and the amount of water that we needed. If you had a gallon of water, and I'm just going to explain this by using the gallon. And, and, and at that time, it wasn't as efficient as we have it now. But even with a gallon of water, if you had a gallon of water and you were driving your car from California to New York, you can go from California to New York, back to California, back to New York, back to California, back to New York, 
and back to California before you ran out of water. Now, you would have run out of gas a lot of times, but the amount of water that you used to produce enough hydrogen, that gallon would have covered almost, what is that, 10, 12,000 miles? A gallon of water? Yes, because you don't need that much hydrogen. This is what's so surprising. Hydrogen is, and we're not using hydrogen as the fuel. We're using hydrogen as the catalyst to make the fuel burn better. Okay, so so we're not using that because people have tried, and I think I, I might not have answered the question because people have tried to develop hydrogen engines. You know, they use strictly hydrogen, but they they were failures because hydrogen doesn't possess BTU content for you to have a small enough source for an engine around. Like for example, if uh, a gasoline tank of, of twenty gallons. You would need to have a freaking hydrogen tank of, of uh, 180 gallons. You know, it would be so large because the BTU content is so small. But when you're using hydrogen the way we're using hydrogen, which is as a catalyst to help the fuel burn better, you're just using a very, very small amount. So the amount of hydrogen that you need to help that fuel burn better is insig almost insignificant in terms of the amount of fuel. So that's why a gallon of water that contains so many molecules of hydrogen is used so sparingly that you can drive back and forth all across the coast without, without having to use more than a gallon of water. So would it be a gallon of water, full tank of gas as it would be? No, no, no. And in, in other words, it's almost like, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm asking your question correctly, but if you had a gallon of water and you were starting to drive to New York, you're going to probably fill your tank up, which is a, probably a 20-gallon tank, at least five times before you get to New York, okay? So now you still have a gallon of water, so you're going to fill up five times on the way to New York. You're going to fill up another five times on the way back. You still have your, your gallon of water. It's not, you know, it's not gallon to gallon, but, you, you know, you, you're using some of that gallon, so now... By the time you go out there, two times you may have used a half of the gal. You, know, you, you follow? Yeah. Right? Yeah, one one round trip. Right, right, yeah. Went into New York. Yeah, yeah. Right. right, exactly. So the amount of hydrogen that you use is really insignificant, but it is very significant because it helps that fuel to burn so much better. It makes it burn faster in the combustion chamber, and it, it, it it stretches it so it will end up getting you better gas mileage. But at the same time, you're not using a lot of water to make that happen, you know. And so, uh, but we, there, there is a ratio that we have to air. So your larger engines will obviously use more air and more hydrogen than a smaller engine. So so your, your big container ships or your tankers may end up using a lot more and may use, you know, 10 gallons of water by the time it goes, you know, from wherever it's starting from to wherever it's ending up. But still, that is not that amount. The amount of fuel that they use will be drastically greater than that. I, I'm just curious because I remember at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had the massive shutdown and it seemed as if I have two brothers who live out in California. Mm -hmm. And they said that they could finally 
see the top of the hills in LA and they could also see the, the ocean and they could see like fish in the ocean and, and it wasn't like the normal grayish sluggy color it was, but it was like this hey. crystal clear jade kind of color and you can see fish and different life moving hey. through it. Has the, that, did you see any particular drop in black carbon during that time? Well, there would have been, even though I wouldn't have necessarily known how to measure it. But what they described was because there were not the same amount of vehicles out there creating all that soot. And so as a result, they, you know, like I said, you can see the hills again. You can, and at this point, it's probably back to normal because, you know, you have all those cars back on the road, all those trucks back on the road. Everything, and you have more construction. I mean, everywhere you go out here now, and just, and I'm sure it's the same way out there. Wait, oh, yeah. It's construction everywhere. Every, every vacant spot of land is being cleared for something. And, uh, and it's all diesel. It's all diesel engines. It's all diesel construction. It's all diesel generators. It's all diesel. And so we are actually in the process of creating more black carbon that we, than we, ever created just because we're uh, improving our lives. And again, and I say improving our lives because it's, it's true. I mean, when we do things like that, we, it improves our lives. No one can dispute the fact that we need all these hospitals. We need these apartment bills. We need these places for people to live. So it's an, it's an improvement on our lives. But at the same time, it creates black carbon. And it is also the thing that's create, causing our glaciers to melt. So as we improve our lives, we literally have to burn fuel better. We have to. We have to get rid of the black carbon because the black carbon is what's, what's causing and, and will continue to cause the uh, glaciers to melt and, and all kinds of other problems that we'll have two or three or 20 years, two or three decades down the road. We won't, you know, these glaciers may not even be there. And and the and the sea sea level rise that people are experiencing now will be even will be tenfold. So we have to do something about black carbon. We have to do it now. And 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 as long as we are using our infrastructure, which we will too, we will continue to do it. But we and we will continue to even build grain infrastructure with it. But we have to do something about the black carbon that it is creating right now. And hydrogen is the only solution that I know of, short of cutting it all off. But if we cut it all off again, we'll be like fish out of uh, we'll be like fish out of uh, out of water. We won't be able to survive. So uh, we don't have an option to cut it off. But the option that we do have is to burn the fuel better, so we can eliminate the black carbon. What where can people go to learn yeah. more about how to? not burn as much black carbon and also what can they do in order to yeah. just make sure that they can't like where can people go to get the the leaf h2 okay all right now right now there are so many applications that we don't have an application for most people you know our application i mean the leaf h2 is not a one-size-fits-all solution you know right now we are focusing on generators and we're focusing on what they call a refrigerated truck engines. Now, the marketplace is humongous. It's beyond humongous because it needs, it needs to be on helicopters and, and ships, and it needs to be everywhere.
but we can't build it everywhere all at once. Now, but the only thing that people can do right now, and this is so important in my mind, is to learn about the existence of black carbon. What happens, most people have never even known about it, don't know anything about it. Now, and, and, and even though this is not necessarily a, a plug for my book, but my book is the only place you can find out about it right now. It literally is, you can find out about black carbon on the internet, but you can't find out that there's a solution for black carbon on the internet. The only place you can find that out is in that book. And I implore, I really, really want every human being on this planet to learn about black carbon and learn why it's the enemy of the planet. Because what happens is that human beings are pretty freaking incredible. I mean, we can do some incredible things when we set our mind to doing it. You know, just like the coronavirus, you know, when it first came, I mean, it was, it was devastating to everybody. And it still is. But at the same time, there have been solutions that are mitigating it. And in a year and a half ago, we couldn't even imagine solutions for that. But human beings will find ways to do things. And so that's why it's so important in my mind for every human being on this planet to understand what black carbon is and why it's the enemy of the planet. Because once they do know that, they will start internalizing it. They will start being activist, activists about it. They, they can start getting the word out about it. And the things that people can start doing to start mitigating it will start come, will come into pass, you know, and some of the, some of the technical solutions will get even better, you know, because right now we have a solution that we think hydrogen can help, but there are other things that I'm sure people can come up with and they will come up with when they understand that it is indeed the enemy of the planet and we have to do something about it. It's almost like, um, the alien, you know, the aliens within the movies, you know, the movies that we see where the aliens attack the earth and we all collectively get together and all human humanity, you know, combines resources and, and we fight the alien until we beat them. And that's the way the movies always end. We win most of the time, right? There's a few that we don't, but, but that's what we have to do in this case. We have to get together. We have to collectively decide that black carbon is the enemy of the planet and we find a way to defeat. Well, Don, this has been a wonderful conversation. It's very surprising how fast time flies. Hours already up. But I have one more question for you. All right. And that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's the only message that I have, even though it won't, it wouldn't be fully understandable, but it is black carbon is the enemy of the planet and we have to defeat it and we need to Lord, we need to use every resource and every ability and every brain cell that we have so that we can defeat black carbon because it is truly the enemy of the planet it is the enemy and and uh, and we all need to understand it and once we do we can do something about it and until we do we won't be able to do anything about it well, Don, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work and what other stuff you're up to? Okay, well, you can go to burnfuelbetter.com. That's for the book and uh, burnfuelbetter.com. And there's also a, a free gift on there about what we are doing to uh, harm the environment and how we can solve it. But the book is also there. My 
Twitter and Instagram and Facebook handle is all Don Climate Owens. Okay. So if you go to Don Climate Owens at Twitter, at Facebook, at all the other ones, you you'll find different posts that I have and different things you can follow about what we're trying to do and 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 so so we can see if we can understand better what black carbon is and why we really need to do something about it. Yeah, well, Don, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people will be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. If you want to stay updated on the podcast or be in the know with the various things that I'm up to, you can sign up for the MTY Midweek Newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get access to a weekly email every Wednesday with behind the scenes of the podcast and other projects that I am currently up to. So make sure to visit blackgoldpod.com and sign up for the MTY Midweek Wednesday newsletter below.